Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means taking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your own reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of The Disruptor Entrepreneur. Tom here, one of the producers of the podcast. We're celebrating a huge milestone today, our 350th episode. I've been helping Rob with the podcast for over three years now, helping with all the technical parts of running the show. I want to quickly thank my wonderful team who helped make the magic happen. So thank you, Harry, Felicity, Aaron, Ben and Bella. We can make this happen on time, week in, week out, without fail, without you guys. Lastly, we wouldn't have a show without all of you, the listeners, so thank you for listening. I hope after all these episodes, you've been inspired, educated, and hopefully entertained. So for this episode, we decided to take your questions to Rob with a very special condition that anything goes. So listen on for the next hour and enjoy a slightly jet-lagged Rob answer all your weird and wonderful questions. And remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. Hi, it's Rob Moore here and welcome to the Ask Me Anything, Anything Goes. I've done a few Ask Me Anythings. I've never done an Ask Me Anything, Anything Goes. And this is to uh, celebrate the 350th anniversary of the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. Tom, who'd have thought we'd have ever got this far? 350 episodes. against us, Rob. Yeah, so thank you all for subscribing, for listening, for tuning in live or for listening to the 350th episode. I'm very grateful. So we're going to live simultaneously right now onto YouTube, into the Disruptive Entrepreneur community and onto my Facebook page. So a couple of things just while we get all those synced up. Uh, One is make sure you subscribe to YouTube if you're watching on the YouTube live stream but you're not subscribed. We put lots of new content out on YouTube now. We're up in our YouTube game. A lot of our interviews you get to see live. If you're just tuning in in Facebook, Hi, it's Rob Moore here. We're doing uh, an Ask Me Anything, Anything Goes. People always say, Rob, I'm really annoyed because you did your Ask Me Anything randomly and you didn't tell me when it was going to be and I missed it. Uh, And I often get my most active viewers when I do Ask Me Anything. So now you have been warned. You have a chance to ask me anything you like. This is also to celebrate, commemorate the 350th episode of the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm just going to get the quick logistics and intro out of the way, then we're going to dive into the questions. So if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe. Loads of new content putting out. Um, If you're watching on my Facebook page live, thank you. Uh, If you go to bit.ly forward slash T-D-E-COM, all capital letters, bit.ly forward slash capital D, capital D, capital T, capital D, capital E, capital C, capital O, capital M, capital M, bit.ly forward slash tde.com, then you can join the Disruptive Entrepreneur Community, which is why I do these Ask Me Anythings about once a week, in case you don't get your question 
answered. I also have a special gift to give away at the end. I only have 50 of them to give away. Um, we haven't promoted this really wide, but I'm guessing that there's going to be a lot more than 50 watching. It's only for the watchers live. It's not for the people who are listening to the podcast, unfortunately, because it'll be gone. Um, so make sure you stay towards the end where I have this free gift for 50 of you. All right, shall we get cracking then, everyone? Are we all good? Yeah, all the streams working? Uh, okay, right. So um, you have sent in around about 30 questions. I'm going to, well, you sent in a lot more and Tom and Harry and Ben um, distilled it down to 30 questions that they thought would fit the bill. I'm going to go through those, but at periodic times, we're going to take live questions on Facebook and on YouTube. So at any time, if you have a question or something I say fires a question, ping it in and we'll do some live lives as well as the pre-sent in lives. Okay, good. Intros over. Here we go. So question one. Um, it could we find out who these are from or not? No. no. Oh, they were anonymous. Oh, right. Were they all from you, Tom? <laughs> okay. So I believe where uh, we develop most when we struggle. What are you currently struggling with and why? What is your plan to deal with it? Well, um, I've actually had a brilliant time the last sort of, well, certainly this year. Um, I've just run a speaker boot camp and it's probably the most relaxed I've ever been because I'm quite, I'm sort of, I'm always on. As many entrepreneurs are, you'll probably be able to relate. Um, in the car, I have a driver. And um, in the car on the way to the airport, in the car on the way back, on the plane on the way and on the plane on the way back, I got about two weeks worth of work done because I couldn't log into social media and no one could email me. And it was like the most liberating feeling ever. So I actually feel really good at the moment. I did a fitness challenge and I lost, what, 10 kilos, 22 pounds in seven weeks. Um so, you know, I don't want to sit here and say, hey, my life is amazing, but I'm not really particularly struggling with anything like, you know, wormhole-ish or something that's really bothering me right now that's transient. I'll tell you what I always struggle with, because then I think that helps, is um, certainly uh, I, my goal in my companies is to create a, a grander vision, to always come up with new ideas for marketing campaigns or um, you know, just something that we can do to disrupt our industry, new products, new services, uh, which I sometimes collate from the communities and ask you what you think. And sometimes I have to get inspired myself normally high on Costa Coffee. So that's something that's always there. We're actually launching a big 1200 person event. Um, we've got a contract signed. Um, uh, we just have to then sign it and send it back. And then the, the main speakers are done. And so right now I'm thinking, how do I make an amazing event? How do I make it that um, there's new content, but proven content? How do I, because I'm speaking at it and I've done a lot, hundreds, I think I've done nearly a thousand live speaking gigs, obviously thousands of live streams. Uh, but I want to come out and do something new that people haven't seen before. I don't want to be second guessed. Um, you know, I want to always keep people on their toes. So for me, general growth of my businesses is my perennial struggle. But I, I feel in a very grateful state at the moment. I've got an amazing team. We've got an amazing new podcast live stream studio here. Um, yeah, things are great at the moment. I know that things will get harder. Um, but for me, it's always about growth. Growth is my highest value. So I love growth. I love pushing for growth. Because when we don't grow, we have the sort of breakages around growth. I find that quite frustrating. I definitely have always struggled my whole life with turning my brain off. 
Um, I, over the last year, I've been getting more into um, meditation and um, visualization. I've been doing that for, what, 13 years, trying to be more present, more um, working on my gratitude and managing my own emotions. Those of you that listen to my podcast, you'll know that's a constant thing I talk about, though not so much meditation. I normally take the piss out of that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, and my plan to deal with it is to, I don't think uh, dealing with solutions is overly hard. And I know that's easy to say, and I know I'm probably going to get some challenges, which I'm going to find really hard, but the answers are hidden in plain sight. So if I ask my team, but don't take the answers personally, if I go onto my communities and engage with my communities and ask them what they would do, and don't take the answers personally, you know, if it's critical feedback, if I engage with my critics and find out what they could pick holes in, if I get my researcher and unleash him, my my Rottweiler researcher who's great at finding stuff, um, you can usually find the answers to all your problems hidden in plain sight in your communities, your staff, um, in the marketplace. And I like to think I've always got room for improvement, but I like to think that I'm quite engaged in the communities. I answer a lot of private messages. A speaker boot camp I went to, I was, had dinner every night with the, um, with, with the trainers that I was training. And I really got a good insight into their problems, their challenges, their objections. And I was able to weave that into the content the next day. And I, I really felt like I knew what they were going through. Um, it's because some people say, well, Robert, you know, with what you do at your level, with your, you know, we're probably pushing 20 million pound in our businesses. Mark and I have hundreds of property units developing, what, 140,000 square foot, two buildings at the moment. How do you answer messages personally? And how do you stay so active on social media? Well, I think it's vital to do that, to stay in touch with what's going on, to know your clients, your followers, your fans, know their pains, problems, desires, and always look to solve them. So thanks for the question. That's question one. Question two, how does your wife put up with and cope the hours you work and energy you have? Well, she likes the energy I have. I thought you were filtering these questions. How does my, like, um, the answer that I've got is is probably not really um, normal. But like my wife quite likes her independence. She doesn't want me around all day, every day. So she's never had really a problem with me going off and doing my own thing. But I think it's a bit of a mis, um, misperception uh, that I, you know, work 16 hours a day and never see my wife um, because I wrote a book called Routine Equals Results. And in that book, um, I shared how over the years I've been testing my ideal diary, my ideal time management plan. I'm real big on that, as you'll know if you listen to my podcast. So I've compartmentalized from five in the morning till nine at night and maybe 9.30 when I usually go to sleep. I go to bed early and I get up early. And so every little 15 to 30 minute chunk is compartmentalized. And every day there's dinner with the kids. Every day there's the evening with my wife. Uh, And she likes to do her own thing in the day. Now, in the early days when we were sort of maybe more in our honeymoon period and she actually wanted to spend a lot more time with me, she worked for me. Um, And she had a property business with her her family and um, they sort of wound that down as her family got towards retirement and the market changed. And she first came in doing our accounts and she took over in our events and she worked as our head of events for five years. So we were doing everything together all day, every day, except that one thing that I've got a lot of energy to do because we were at each other all the time. And actually, after about five years, she resigned. And I was a little bit upset in some ways because in a lot of ways, I loved always being around her. 
Um, but, you know, we weren't partners. She was working for me and that gave that power struggle that neither of us particularly were comfortable with. And then it sort of made a weird dynamic at home. Um, it worked, you know, we're still married and everything's great. What, nearly 12 years on. Um, but I, I found it was healthy for us to maybe have two or three hours a day together, not 10 hours a day together. And, um, you know, we're all different, aren't we? And we all have um, an ideal amount of time with our partners. Um, I can say that works for my wife. I'd probably actually like to see my wife a bit more. Um, and it's not because I can't, it's because she likes to her independence. And um, we've got uh, the kids, the, the dog, the house, and then me in the, in the pecking order of the hierarchy. And don't worry, she won't be watching this because she never watches my stuff. Um, in terms of my energy, I, um, you know, like I do have a lot of energy and people always ask, what's your secret to energy? And I'll tell you what it is. And it's not what a lot of people think. It's passion. That's what it is. Um, you know, I, I was on 900 calories a day when I was doing my sort of semi fast for my fitness challenge. And whilst, of course, I was tired, I still had good energy. I could still do a workout every day because I love what I do. I love doing the podcast. I love doing these Ask Me Anythings. Like, you know, like putting my, you know, my podcast jacket on and my disruptive T-shirt, having a shower at seven o'clock tonight. I felt grateful and excited to come into the studio to do this. This is not in any way a chore. I've got an amazing team, um, you know, of what we've probably got nearly 80 people now when you include progressive lets and goodness knows how many outsourcers you guys use. And I feel really privileged to be part of the team um, and I've just loved my life. And I just, every day, it's like, wow. Um, there's lots of little things that happen um, that I sort of double take on. So one of my things is I love buying dinner and I'd never let anyone buy dinner. It's just one of these, the things I love to do. Uh, and I, I bought dinner, which was what, about 1,200 quid um, yesterday. And I remember putting the card down thinking, I feel really grateful to buy dinner. Um, but I also thought, I remember four, 14, 13 years ago, when I couldn't even put a card down and buy dinner for 20 quid, or I couldn't even buy a round because I was so skint and all the cards were maxed out. And I still remember the, that to this day because I was there. And then I was having a dinner with, with a few of these people and you know, one person was talking about me being a millionaire and I sort of have to like double take because I have made nearly probably 100 million quid, not all personally, the companies as well. And you know, I got myself out of debt, became a millionaire between the age of 30 and 31. But every time I say it or someone says it to me, it's like a pinch moment because I remember when I was 50 grand in debt. How can I not love my life? And that is energy, passion, energy, passion, enthusiasm and loving your life and your career. That's energy. Um, yeah. OK, number three, then the future for progressive property. Um, well, we've got a new brand. You probably can't see that from here, but. Um, we've got a funky new brand. So I am merging. We're merging our two main companies. So we have two training companies, Progressive Property and Unlimited Success. And Progressive has is go, been going longer. Unlimited Success has a bit less equity and, and brand reputation because it's a slightly smaller business. Um, so we're merging the two. So the company is going to be Progressive, not Progressive Property, just Progressive. Um, and then underneath it, we'll have progressive property, progressive education, progressive success, progressive let's, progressive development, progressive media. That's going to be all of this is progressive media. We've obviously got progressive podcasts and a progressive publishing for all the audio books. 
Progressive used to be a property training company. We are no longer that. We are a media business. We are a, a you know holistic in the sense of many different uh, areas of training. I want Progressive to be like um, the the university of business and life. So we're just getting accredited on our courses at the moment. Um, we've been running trainings for what ten years. Um, I think what we teach for entrepreneurs and disruptors and innovators and people who want to work for themselves works a lot better than university. And so where people would go to university to get a degree and a career, I want people to come to Progressive to get training, to be an entrepreneur, to set up their business, whether it's e-commerce, public speaking, podcasting, social media, you know, a business online, whatever it is. Um, We're going global this year. Now, I've always wanted to go global, but I think in my 20s, I was like the dog, the little, you know, like the little Westie dogs or the um, handbag dogs that just humps a tree like constantly, not really getting anywhere or making any puppies, just humping the tree. Um, and, And I was certainly like that in my 20s. And of course, some, you know, you throw enough mud at the wall, as they say, something sticks. And I really wanted Progressive to be a global business. But I think that was mostly driven by my own relentlessness and maybe a bit of ego. And then when I had my children, I didn't want it to go global because I wanted to be able to spend time with them. I wanted to see them grow up. And that was really important to me. And my son's going to be eight in a couple of weeks. And I was just away from them for a week. And it was actually really good for the family that I was away because they're a bit more grateful when I'm back. And um, so I I feel ready now. Progressive's 10, well, it's 12, nearly in its 13th year. um, And we've been doing training for 10 years. So that's a nice foundation to take it to Australia, America, Scandinavia, the Netherlands, Qatar, Dubai, Abu Dhabi. And we're going to be feeling out in those um, countries this year or next um, I couldn't put the exact timeline on it. Line on it. Um, so progressive property is no longer progressive property. It is just progressive. And it's a scalable global brand. You know, we help people invest for freedom, choice and profit. Um, you know, we change people's lives through the education. I, my um, personal vision is to help as many people across the globe get better financial education. Uh, my foundation focuses on young and underprivileged people who want to start and scale their own enterprise. So thanks for the question. And that's the plan. I mean, there are a lot more specifics. Actually, I recorded uh, a podcast while I was on the speaker boot camp. Someone asked me, Rob, you've got a 20 million pound plan for progressive this year. Um, Can you debrief and share what you're going to do to achieve that? And I did that and I broke it down into the 15 elements or so that I'm going to be implementing for progressive, a couple of which I've said. I'm actually going to publish that as a podcast because I thought that might be nice for you to hear. And I'm always experimenting with different episodes. Um, That'll go out after this. So keep an ear out for that. And it's not just about me going, these are my plans. It's getting you to think about your plans and your vision. All right, great. Um, My biggest business fear for me is easy, and I can make this less than four minutes. Go and bust. I do have a fear of going bust. And someone actually said, oh, well, fears are all imagined. And, you know, I'm a bit disappointed in you that you have this fear. Well, I think it's bloody good, actually, because if I didn't have a fear of going bust, I'd go spraying the money around. We've got millions of pounds sitting in the company account. Mark and I have got £650,000 in retained profit in just one of our companies that we could just draw today. But if I didn't give a shit about going bust, Mark and I'd be buying more Lambos and more Ferraris and private jets and all this kind of shit, which we could afford. And then what? 
So, you know, like the reason I have a fear of going bust is because I've been very skint in my life before and I don't want to go back there. And also, I don't want my critics to ha- ever have a chance to say, you know, oh, well, I knew progressive property was never going to last. People have said that to me for years. My critics, my trolls, my, oh, progressive will never last. They'll be gone. Well, 13 years later, and we are still here disrupting and you motivate me, you bastards. <laughs> but my critics and, and haters do motivate me. So that's my biggest business fear. And I, Mark and I stash millions away in the company account, millions away in our personal account. We buy properties. We don't over leverage. We have a, you know, a fairly low loan to value. Mark and I were talking on the phone for 45 minutes about you know, not, not aggressively buying the next couple of years. We will buy, but we don't want to just, you know, like we could buy hundreds of properties. But for what purpose? Mark and I don't need any more money. We want more money, but we don't need it. Um, so, yeah, that's far and away my biggest business fear. Um, and obviously it would damage my reputation, which obviously wouldn't be good. And so I put a lot of checks and balances and measures in place to make sure that doesn't happen. OK, should we do one more and then do a couple of the YouTubers? Yeah. OK, yeah. All right, we'll do that. So question five then. So thanks for tuning in, everyone, if you are tuning in. Um, cheers to you and the 350. Cheers to us, Harry Ben. Tom, cheers to us. 350 episodes. That means if, if the average episode is an hour, it's probably just that. That means you've listened to me for 350 hours. So like nearly three weeks solid. It, yeah, 24. nearly three weeks solid. And Harry's like, yeah, with all the outtakes, he's listened to about <laughs> 700 hours of me. Wow. And you're still here, guys. Thank you very much. OK, so question five then. I have three possible promising startups with three different JVs. Should I work on all of them in the same time or choose only one? Mm. There is no right or wrong answer to this. Um, I think you have to understand and know yourself. And I think you have to be honest with your JV partners. At one point, Steve Jobs, he was Pixar, Apple. I don't know. He had one other business, didn't he, at the time? Was it Next? NXT? Do you remember? That was what he had before Apple. Yeah, but he's definitely had more than one business in any one go. And of course, Richard Branson has multiple partnerships. So it's not like you have to only have one. But there are some things to consider. What's your personality type? So for me, I could not stand just doing one thing. I just can't. I need variety. I love variety. Keeps me engaged, peaked. I love a bit of dynamic, just things going on. That's my nature. Um, but I also know that when I get overwhelmed, I'm a bit of a diva and I don't like being too overwhelmed either. So for me, I like a sort of a 70-20-10 model and I like to do three main things. The, my main thing, 70% of my time. My secondary thing, 20% of my time. And then my kind of future thing or the thing I'm just sort of researching or just starting 10% of the time. Now, Mark and I have about eight, maybe nine income streams at the moment, and we've used this 70-20-10 model for the last sort of 12 years. And so when we started, um, we were just working as deal sources for a property company. Then we started buying our own property. So 70% of the time, it, it used to be 100% of the time deal sourcing. Then it was 70% of the time deal sourcing, 20, 30% of the time buying for ourselves. Then when we left that role... Um, we were buying for ourselves 70% of the time and then we started deal sourcing for ourselves 20% of the time and then I wrote a book for 10% of the time. 
Uh, and then we scaled up the training, the book was written, um, and we started doing HMOs, a different kind of property. Um, and then we started, we bought Unlimited Success, which was a, a personal development company, which we might have been doing 20% of the time. And each time we bring in a new partnership or stream, we'd make sure we staff up or um, outsource or systemize the first stream. So Mark and I got, you know, we bought 20, then 30, then 50 rounded up or down, give or take in the first three years. So about 100 single lets in the first three years with a couple of HMOs. Um, and then we got them all sorted with one letting agent after testing loads. And then once that was done, we could then move on to H doing more HMOs. And then we bought a load of HMOs because the single lets were systemized. Um, and actually, when we got to 250 lets, we took the lettings in-house and we set up our own letting agency. And that became our new 20. So you could do that. Um, whoever asked that, 70% of your time, one partnership or maybe 50, 30, 20. But of course, you've also got to talk to your partner or partners. Because what involvement are they expecting from you? If you're at the sort of non-exec level, the chairman level, the CEO level, you can get away with a board meeting a week or a month. You can put five hours in of your vision and strategy and then you've got a team to implement. But if you're buying properties for people or building a business, they may expect you to put in 40 hours a week in that partnership. So you've got to set an expectation with each partner of what they're expecting of you. And I, I always think it's really wise to let your partners know if you're working with other partners and what else you're doing um, and, and make that part of the agreement that you can or you can't. Because Mark and I, we when we set up Progressive Property, which was January 2007, for the first sort of six months, Mark was sort of trying to set up some business with his mates. He'd done that a lot over the years before. I had like a... Um, a small coaching practice, sort of like a small business stroke personal development coaching practice where I was coaching clients one-to-one -one on the phone. Um, and Mark was like, well, you're doing, sometimes you're doing 20 of these calls a week. What about progressive? And I'm like, well, sometimes you're off with your mates 30 hours a week setting up this, that and the other. What about progressive? And we had a, a, an adult discussion and probably each got, you know, slightly irked with each other and pushed our um, case forward. And in the end, we agreed we didn't want to not set up other businesses or lock them out. But we also agreed we didn't want to be cut out. So we did a joint venture whereby if I set up any new business, I'm free to do so. I just have to cut Mark in half on my half. And if he goes and does any venture, he's free to do so. But he has to cut me in half on his half. He was buying properties with his stepdad, so he, he didn't stop that. But then if he was, I was cutting on his half. Um, he, I cut him in half on my personal development business. When I wrote all the books, I cut him in half. He started carrying on buying more of the properties. He cut me in half. And that worked really well for us. So we have like this monogamous, polygamous JV relationship where we can both go and do what we want, but we have to cut each other in half on what we do. And of course, you know, a year or two in, we're getting each other involved. We're getting each other's opinions and advice. And we're, and we're not really sort of distracted from anything. We do everything together. And of course, now we're in our 13th year and 14th year knowing each other. And that's worked really well. And look, Mark's the, the best business partner you could ever have. Um, and I definitely wouldn't be where I am today without him. So I'm definitely big on JVs. So I know I didn't directly say, oh, you should have one or you could have all three. But I don't like to just give binary answers because we're all different. And I like you to, you know, you've got to have this self-awareness of what are you like? I mean, like, for example, if you 
don't really, um, there's things you struggle to get done. If you struggle with accountability or there's this like recurring theme in your life, whether it's your fitness, your health, your personal development, your money, your business, where there's areas you struggle, you've got to be honest with yourself and find out why and find out why you're not accountable. Um, and then if it's a coach, a mentor you need, a partner, or if you need to outsource or, you know, step back uh, or whatever it is, even if your ego doesn't like it, or even if there's a cost associated, it's wise to do that. Right, should we go on the question screen? And shall I do a couple of um, handwritten ones as well? Um, are people posting questions on the Facebook lives as well? Yeah, so yeah. The handwritten ones are from Facebook. That's the YouTube comments. Okay, I'll probably have to do these randomly and quite quickly. Could you pass, could I have the... Um, Harry's going to control it here. Yeah, I mean the handwritten questions oh, right, as well. I'll do these up here. Oh, okay, fine. Um, thanks, Stuart, for the question. Stuart Condon. Um, Rob, you are very successful and have a lot of businesses you manage, but how do you balance being an A++ star of business and being a family man with children? Why, thank you, Stuart. It was almost like that one was planted. That's very kind. Um, I'm, I don't believe I'm an A++ student um, or star. I believe I'm probably like a B minus. I'm always learning. I've always got things that I can improve and develop. Um, so it's nice that you say that. But um, I see myself as not yet a fully manifested, self-actualized version of myself. And I'll always be that like that until I die. And I like that. A lot of people are like, oh, well, when's it ever enough? And shouldn't you just be happy, happy being yourself? And why do you have to keep chasing for more? But what's wrong with that as well? I don't want to get up tomorrow and, and, and um, know that tomorrow will be the same as today, which was the same as yesterday. For me, that's just like slow death. You know, I want growth. I want excitement. I want challenge. Even when the, some of the challenges, I don't want them. I still want them. Um, so compartmentalize my diary to make sure I have dinner every time with the kids. When it's school holidays, I have a different diary compartmentalised and I spend much more time out of the office and much more time on the golf course or at home um, with my kids. So I take them abroad with me every time I do courses because I do the Cayman Legacy. I'm doing a, a Nice Mastermind. I just did the uh, speaker boot camp in Portugal. Um, there's one other. Um, uh, we have a family holiday for three weeks in Dubai each Christmas. Um, and I take the family with me the whole time, even when I'm doing courses. So we're very much together and I see them a lot. OK, right. Um, and Andy has said, yay for YouTube premium. I'm listening in the gym. I love that. OK, right. So let's go. Hi, Rob. When do we get the free online course you offered with the book? Start now, get perfect later four months ago. Oh, Tom's replied. I know we gave that out like a million times and sent everyone a load of emails and posted it on social media. So you must have just missed that, our fan. But um, yeah, so just contact, private message me and I'll sort that out for you, my friend. No problem. Um, has progressive training seen a drop in applicant, applicants since Section 24 legislation? No, zero. We're still growing. We've had our best January and we're going to have one of our best Februarys, if not our best February ever. So no, not at all. Why? Because I don't accept changes as um, game over. I, know, I just don't accept it. I know that deal packaging or service accommodation or other strategies um, are ways round reducing um, cash flow or net cash flow in, in single lets. 
Um, we moved all of our properties into a limited company that seemed to help a bit. Mark and I have do a lot of commercial conversion, which doesn't really apply here. We have capital allowances where Mark and I have literally offset millions in tax that we haven't paid over the years in capital allowances, legitimate capital allowances in commercial buildings that haven't been claimed. Um, so Mark and I just don't really buy too many single lets anymore um, just because we go to the bigger deals. So cool. Um, would Rob rather lose all his money or never hear Metallica again? Um, never hear Metallica again because I can still listen to Pantera, so I'm all right. It's actually a really good question, and I thought that I thought that one would perplex me, but that was an easy one. I love Metallica, but I can still listen to my other metal, so um, I want, I'd like to keep all my money if that's okay. <laughs> cool. All right, should we go back to this and then we'll? So if you've got more questions on the live on YouTube and on Facebook, ping them in. I'm going to do this every sort of maybe ten or fifteen minutes. Um, cool. Uh, we'll, I'll be able to cover some of those later ones. Great. My wife took me to see Metallica live for the first time last year, and she's not really into metal, and she really enjoyed it. Oh, man, they put on a great gig. A great gig. I'm going to see Rammstein in um, summer. I, I, I like all music. I just like to say I'm not just a complete metaler. Um, I have quite a lot of variety in my life and I like a lot of things. I've, I've kind of always been like that. I do a lot of sports, generally tend to like most different types of people. Um, and yeah, uh, Rammstein, they do the best live gigs you have ever seen in your life ever. I've watched all the DVDs and um, it, like I haven't really got many things left on my bucket list. That's one of them. And my wife's taking me. My wife is going to be listening to German filthy heavy metal live um, with full-on pyrotechnics. Good on her. That's love. That is love. I love you, my wife. All right, next. Um, I need to get up to speed on using Facebook, etc. Can you recommend an online course or book for absolute beginners? I want an overview of all the new social media systems. Well, I run a social media influencer course. I've actually never uh, really promoted that. We've run it... Um, a handful of times. I've got actually one um, on Monday and Tuesday. Obviously, that's too late for you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I never intended to become a social media influencer. I'm not even comfortable with that word. Um, but what? We have 130,000 people that follow me on Facebook. We've had millions and millions of downloads um, across 192 countries. Uh, yeah, social media has been a great thing for me. Um, so I think I, I, we're really leveraging LinkedIn. I mean, a lot of my posts get more than a million views on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, so I, maybe I might be able to help you. I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't, I am one for doing courses and mentorships and masterminds. I, you know, I, I think it's important to invest in yourself. You are your best asset. Invest in yourself wisely. You pay yourself the most interest. But I've never actually done a specific social media course because what's happened is I've got... Um, uh, sort of a, a full-time, I call him my legend. Um, you could call him an outsourcer. I mean, he does a, helps me with a lot of social media because we have, I think we have four email addresses for me. We have multiple social media accounts and he helps with a lot, that a lot. Tom in the team, who's our head of innovation, he's like, you know, pretty savvy on social media. We've got Beth in our office who does social media full-time for us. So we have definitely picked up a lot off a lot of people, big influencers, and I've, um, you know, studied as much as I can from all over the place. What... Maybe I should change this. I don't know. But like in the early days, I used to follow one person 
and learn all their stuff. And I kind of do that now still, but I, I like to pick a little bit of everything because I still, I want to be original and I don't want to be a complete rip of anyone. Like if you look on social media, there's a lot of people that are sort of just doing what Gary Vaynerchuk does. And obviously he does great stuff and he knows his stuff, but we've already got one Gary Vaynerchuk. We don't need a load of Gary Vaynerchuk mini-me clones. And I feel like if I, um, I like, so I like to pick a bit off everything I see um, to maintain my own integrity of who I am. But in the early days when I start, I go deep dive on them all. So virtually all the American influencers who might be a level above me in terms of social media, I've studied them all, read all their books, listened to all their audio books, done their podcasts, whatever I can. I'm a, you know, um, I love learning and listening to audio books and podcasts. I listen to hundreds a year. Um, I think the most I did in one year was 300 and f- nearly 400, I think. I actually counted Stop tracking them now, because what's the point? It's just like vanity. Um, but yeah, so I have a social media influencer masterclass if you'd like, if you're interested in that. Um, I don't know where you would private message me or something like that on one of these social media platforms that you're streaming. And if you listen to the podcast, um, you can certainly message me about that. Okay, right. I'm working for a good company. We have five projects within the Northern Powerhouse, anywhere from 10 to 30, new build off plan. My question is, what is the best plan to sell the, uh, these as a company through Facebook online? What would you suggest? Thank you. So, um, hmm. this is like a very specific question that I can give some suggestions, but probably not really specific answers to. So, if I'm looking to do something, I haven't personally done before so I haven't sold off plan and new build properties in this way that we've built I would find out the biggest players in the market and I'd go and work out what they're doing I'd mystery mystery shop them and I'd uh, kind of phone them up as if I'm a client I'd go into their show homes I'd pick up their brochures I'd find out where they're going online I'd follow them on their pages I'd go on their website I'd opt into them and I'd watch what they do and for the first few years when Mark and I didn't really know a lot um I've just been distracted because someone's just said, what if it was Radiohead? So back to the Metallica question. What, lose all your money or Radiohead? Well, you know what? For years, Radiohead was my favourite band. But now Porcupine Tree are. So Radiohead can go, I'll keep my money. <laughs> <laughs> but that was harder. I'd lose the money. Would you? Yeah. And would you still work for me for free? <laughs> you love Radiohead, don't you, Tom? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so back to the question anyway, sorry, I got distracted. Uh, I, yeah. So, um, mystery shop, all the competitors, find out what they're doing, how they're doing it, how they're marketing, where they're marketing. And then the areas that you think can work for you model that. So that's always my go-to number one in a new industry. Um, Sam Walton was shameless at it. He did it all the time. And when it's even on his holidays, his parents, his family used to get a bit annoyed with him because he'd just go in all the shops and work out what they're doing and how they're doing it and, you know, what, what products they're selling and the setup of their shops. The next thing I would do is I would definitely look to scale up social media. I'd get in all the property groups. I'd get in all the local groups in terms of the area and the region that you're in um, because there is a group for everything on Facebook. And I, I'm continually gobsmacked when I think there can't be a group for that on Facebook, that there is a group for that on Facebook. I mean, there's a group on Facebook, and I know this because I got outed in it. So I am, um, when I had my Ferrari 458, um, I 
filled it up with petrol and a guy came up and said, all right, mate, nice car, can I take a photo? And of course, I didn't say no piss off. I said, of course you can take a photo, no worries, and he took a photo. And then I've got all my friends and people in the community messaging me saying, Rob, there's this massive thread going on in this Facebook group about you parking your car like a twat. So I went and found this group, and the group is called Parking Like a Twat in Peterborough. That's the name of the group. And at that point, they had 12,000 members of people who spend their life taking photos of people parking like twats and then post it in this group. And then everyone goes, yeah, that's twatish. And that's what they do. Uh, And I was filling my car up with petrol. How else does one park one's car when one is filling it up with petrol? Anyway, um, I went in and had a bit of banter and then went out. And actually, quite a lot of people came on and supported me because how are you supposed to park your car when you fill out with petrol? Anyway, um, there are Facebook groups for everything. So I'd get in the property Facebook groups. I'd get in the local um, demographic and niche um, area Facebook groups. If you're watching and you're not, this isn't your question. I would definitely do that yourself. I would certainly be testing on a small scale Facebook ads, Google ads, um, and then trying to scale them up. Uh, I think that's where I would start. Um, so I hope that helps you. You oh, Go around all the estate agents um, and take your, your brochures in, try and um, get, cut a deal with the estate agents. Obviously, they could sell a lot of them. Go to some property clubs, maybe. Um, or you might have to sell them at a bit of a discount, but property sources might take them on and sell them at a bit of a discount. So there you go. We, go, we gave you a good answer in the end. All right, question eight. If you, had, if you just had one day to live, How would you spend it and how would you want to be remembered? I'd get up in the morning really early. I'd go and have a Costa coffee. I'd go onto social media and I'd thank everyone for following me and hopefully put out a nice piece of content. I'd come to the office. um, I'd lock Mark in and give him all my passwords and tell him not to tell anyone that I was gone, you know, but like... Um, he's got like quite a few million pound insurance policy on me as well. So we just talk about how he's going to invest that. We talk about who he would replace from me. Mark and I have already talked about this. If I passed away, who would he, um, who would he replace me with? Um, and if he passed away, who would I replace him with? And we've got people in mind for that. I'd go and thank everyone in the office, but try not to do it like I'm crying because I'm going to die. Um, and that would be till that would probably get me to sort of 10 o'clock in the morning. I'd go and have a round of golf with my son. I'd take my um, daughter down the range. Um, I'd meet my mum and dad for lunch. Um, I'd definitely have to put a cheeky live feed podcast in there. I couldn't help it. Um, I'd spend the evening with my wife, you know, and hey, that'd be a good excuse to get some on the rare occasion. I'd probably watch the McQueen documentary again just before I passed away because it was the, one of the most moving things I've ever done. So that's probably how it's been my last day. And I've never even been asked that or thought about that. There you go. Cool. Um, what challenges has working with family thrown up and how did you deal with them? Well, I've worked with different um, types of family. So before I got into property, I worked in my dad's pub for about three or four years where my dad was the, the obviously the manager owner of the pub. My mum was the chef. I was the barman and my sister was the waitress. And then fast forward to Progressive and my mum and my dad and my sister work in Progressive. And um, I also worked with my wife for a few years. So with my parents, um, they were just immensely kind to give me work. Uh, and I was a bit too reliant on them. Not independent enough commercially 
um, and probably took it a bit for granted what they did for me uh, and, and didn't really ever fully enjoy working in the pub. So I probably didn't do it with gratitude. I was probably a bit resentful um, and we would clash a bit, but we did OK. Um, every now and again, my dad would have a bit of a shouting match with me or my sister. But, um, you know, he ran a, a, a great pub and my mum would be the like arbitrator, um, the mediator between us all. Um, but we never really properly fell out, but it was hard and we didn't really have a family life outside of work. Um, then I got with my wife and I've already explained that, um, that um, actually in the first few years, it was quite exciting. She moved in from being in property developing to working for us. But then it got a bit too much when we were working together. But what, like when we used to go to London for events, we'd do three-day events in London and we'd go there and we'd stay in a nice hotel and we'd be able to have dinner and stay in the hotel in the evening together. And it was, re- it was really quite, like, exciting. And, like, you know, like we had these big dreams and quite romantic for a good sort of couple of years. But then, you know, when I was going over time on the stage and she's barking at me and I'm telling her to piss off because this is my gig and we'd clash from time to time and... Then it got a bit harder and then, it, and then it, it, it spilled over into our family life whereby, I mean, I remember one time Gemma and I literally said to each other, we can't do this anymore because we're bringing work home and it's 10 o'clock at night and we're still arguing over work. Because if she'd give critic to my company, which she would all the time, she'd, you know, she's not a moaner per se, but she'd like, you know, oh, this isn't right, that isn't right, this isn't right. Because businesses have problems with this staff member or that stuff. And I always used to take it all personally. I didn't know how to not take it personally, which I do now. Um, and, and so I'd get a bit wound up and then I'd say, well, you should do this and you should do that and you should sort it out and why are you dumping it on me? And then she'd be like, don't talk to me like that. And, I'm, you know, like, why can't you just listen? I'm like, I'm trying to help. And so we, we, we got a loggerheads. Um, and so we, then the sort of the romance went a little bit. Uh, and then um, we made this rule that we wouldn't talk about business after seven. But then what we'd do is sit there in bed at eight o'clock and we'd email each other on the phone. And would you get just as pissed off reading the email? It was just stupid. And in the end, like I said, my wife took the decision to resign. And now financially, I, you know, she didn't need to work. Um, and we had, um, I guess we probably had Bobby at that time, but not Ariana. Um, and it turned out to be a, a great decision. Now, my mum and my sister and my dad. Now, this is a distinction. Like with Gemma, my wife, she sort of worked for me. And I never I tried not to make her feel like that, but I know she did. Um, but with my other family, they don't work for me. Um, I don't really think anyone works for me. They're all my team, my partners. I work for them as much as they work for me. But my mum isn't managed by me. My sister isn't managed by me. And my dad isn't managed by me. And that's great. And, you know, they've got in some work that they... I mean, by the way, they work through choice, not because I um, make them. Um, and, you know, they just like to work sort of into their retirement. And, and it's great for everyone. And it's, a, you know, like, um, I'm really grateful to be able to employ them and keep them earning some money and doing something that they really enjoy doing. I feel great about that. OK, question 10. If Rob had ever gone to that property network meeting and met Mark, sorry, if Rob had never gone to that property network meeting and met Mark, how does he think his life would have turned out? Would he still have become an entrepreneur? Would he still be creating art or would he be doing something entirely different? Well, of course, I can't say because um, there's probably infinite possibilities in every single nanosecond that's going on. Um, I definitely feel lucky that I met Mark in 
at the end of December 2005 at my first property networking event. And, you know, we've had a great run together. Um, we've been in business pr pretty much nearly 15 years now. Um, but I was ready. Uh, I was quite, in some ways, I was desperate. And we went to a hell of a lot of network meetings that, that year, Mark and I. And so, okay, I got lucky I met him at the first one, but I probably would have met him at a later one if he wasn't at the first one, or I may have met someone like him. And I may have had to kiss a couple of frogs and maybe met a couple of par partners where it didn't quite work out. But remember, this wasn't my first stab at business. You know, I didn't just like get zapped onto the planet and met my amazing business partner just like that. I mean, I was failing our architecture, pub landlording, you know, like I didn't ever go bust, thankfully, but, you know, as close to failing as you can without going bust I, was certainly me. So I, I feel like I probably would have got there somehow because that's what I was looking for. That's what I wanted. And I was hungry. I definitely would have been, become an entrepreneur. May, hey, hey, look, maybe not in property um, because obviously I have many businesses now, not just property, but I love entrepreneurship. I love business. Uh, Mark and I, we both love business more than or at the very least, as much as property itself. Um, yeah, but, you know, sliding doors, who knows? Um, it's quite interesting to think about. Um, you know, if you sort of study and believe in the quantum, you know, you realise there are infinite possibilities happening in every moment in time. And it's quite interesting to think what, how your choices and where your destiny could take you. And, you know, if there's multiple realities going on at the same time. Um, but I don't wish my life was any different. And, um, you know, I made some mistakes, of course, and said and done some things, which if I would go back and knew, had the knowledge, I wouldn't do. But like, um, feel really good about, about things at the moment and, and where I'm at in my life. So um, and, you know, like I hope I can navigate the challenges that are ahead of me, you know, in the same way. All right. Should we go up and do some more? I'm doing I'm sort of doing them every five. How are we doing for time? Oh, quarter past eight. All right. Wow, let's do 11 first, actually. Let's go back, because I've just seen it. I can't name eight, but name your eight dinner guests, dead or alive, and why. So, um, Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails, because he's like, I love Nine Inch Nails. He was like this crazy, quite depressed, bitter, talented, creative genius. And then, of course, he got into the world of um, music and business on a production level, on a business level. And if you watch a lot of these music documentaries, he's in it. So I'd love to have him. Alexander McQueen, definitely, who recently passed away at 40. Um, talent, genius. Arnold Schwarzenegger has always been someone I've really looked up to and admired. So I'd certainly like to have him there. Um, I think Nelson Mandela. Um, I, I read his books. Um, I think there's one called A Long Walk to Freedom and it's a massive book and just, yeah, really strong but gentle guy. Um, I love Phil Anselmo, lead singer of Pantera. Um, yeah, I just want to meet him. Yeah. I'd I think I'd like to meet Sheryl Sandberg. So she was one of the top ladies at Google at first, and then she went to Facebook. And um, her husband died quite young, and it was um, obviously traumatic for her, but she's done amazing things and, you know, like become super rich and successful and has this massive following. And I really uh, admire what she's done. Um, 
Yeah. So we'll, we'll go there for now. Um, maybe Richard Meal, who uh, makes the watches. Yeah. I, I want to get a bit of an eclectic dinner, not just the same people. Um, thank you. Right then. Uh, okay, right. So what would you say is the best strategy to get your first customer deal signed? I'm an IT company and I'm ready to go, but need some advice. Uh, look, social media, digital advertising, it's huge. You pay per click, whereas on print, you just pay for the ad and you have no guarantee of how many people are going to see it and how much return you're going to get. This pay per click or pay per view is like a, a revolutionary thing, like a trackable view, not like a TV view. Um, so, yeah, I would probably start on social media. I'd go in a load of various IT groups. I'd work out your ideal or um, customer demographic, your type of client. And I'd go online and find out where they hang out. There's groups for every type of person. Um, I recently upgraded my Hi-Fi and um, I found two um, groups. One was called Turntable Talk and one was called um, high-end hi-fi for the passionates or something like that. They both have about 20,000 members in um, and I got all the advice I needed um, and there's lots of dealers in there. I ended up spending, well, I, I bought secondhand so I didn't quite spend this but I probably bought £25,000 record player with the, the add-on bits like the cartridge and stuff like that and the guys in these groups did all right out of me. There's just groups for everything. Um, right, okay. Um, how important is your charity work for you? Well, uh, charity is, uh, there's multiple definitions. So I've given away, you know, millions of pounds. Um, but I also have a foundation, although that foundation is in its infancy and we still have lots more to do. Um, but for me as well, time. Like I speak to people on the phone every day. If anyone is ever depressed or struggling, and I've always announced this everywhere, you can message me. I'm not a trained psychiatrist or anything like that, but I'm someone who's, you know, wrestled and built a decent sized business and is quite up and down emotionally myself at times. Um, and I do a lot of these calls and I do a lot of them for free. Um, and I do a lot of content for free. And to me, those three elements are important. Um, and I think I like to balance the, the giving with the commercial because obviously I've got to pay my own bills, got to put my kids through their school, got to look after my wife, got to look after my family. My family, are, OK, they work for me, but they don't need to. And they retired for many years and I, I pay for their house. And um, well, actually, it's my house. I, am, I bought it for them um, and take them around the world. I pay for their Cayman trip and all that. And you can't do that if you don't have a commercial element to your business. So I think they're very linked to these spiritual and the commercial, you know, the charity and the commercial are very closely linked and people think they're separate entities. They're not. They're very, they're very together. And I think when you make them together, people uh, really resonate with that. Um, do you think you're all responsible for the buy to let search for training too many people and saturation? Um, no, no, I don't. Um, I think we're responsible for housing tens of thousands of tenants all across the UK. We're responsible for, for disrupting and helping people um, get um, cheaper accommodation through HMOs. You know, we're driving the engine of service accommodation. It's these short stays, which are, um, you know, like very convenient for people. Um, 
so no, and, and, and I'd love to say we're big enough to like completely like change the buy to let market, but we're not big enough. Okay. Does your other half join you for podcasts or training? No, never. Um, or is it not just, just not her thing? No, never. Maybe she can't get a word in edgeways. No, never. Um, do you think your followers average age is going to get younger as you do more with social media? My um, followers average age is between 35 and 45 because I'm 40 years old. I think that's got to be it, isn't it? I think, you know, we tend to relate to people like us. Um, is it getting younger? Yes. I mean, it was in it was 55 to 65 when we were just property. Why? Because, you know, people tend to think about property investing when they get a bit older and not in their 20s. So, yeah, it probably is coming down. But as I get older, you know, um, that is a reality. Have you ever thought of starting a sports academy, co coaching golf, etc. in the future? I've flirted with the idea of these kind of things in the past, but I'm not really interested in that. I've got enough things to do. Um, and I've got my own challenges with Bobby and his golf. And, you know, sometimes he's really up for it and sometimes he's not. And he's seven or eight years old now and he likes football and supports Man United. So I failed as a parent. I'm sorry to the, to the world. Um, what personality type are you? I am me. My mum says I am special. I am me. You can't stereotype me. You can't put me in a box. But, but if you were to do all the profiles like the um, VAKAD on the NLP, Visual Auditory Kinesthetic, Auditory Digital, you know, all the, the colour ones, there's the Myers-Briggs, there's the Wealth Dynamics, I'm nearly always right at the top. So the star, the, the driver, the aggressive one, the bullish one, and Mark's normally the opposite. The tactical, analytical, careful, considered one. What's the best money you've spent on a course mentorship and what did you get from it? Well, the mentoring I've done with James Khan was really good investment and he was not cheap. Um, he's a great business owner, obviously really big in England. Um, the investment in the education I've done uh, of John Demartini's has been a great investment. Um, and masterminding for me is fantastic and I get the most out of masterminding now. But, but in the early days, I did a lot of courses. I did probably nearly all of Chris Howard's courses back in 2007. I did a lot of Tony Robbins courses, done loads of business marketing sales courses. Um, but I'd say the best money I've spent has been on masterminds or the very high level mentors who are like 100 million, 200 million net worth. I mean, I've got quite a lot of 100 million, 200 million, billion um, net worth mentors or friends now. So I'm, I'm, I'm quite fortunate in that regard. You, you tend to find that you get that the, the, the higher up you go yourself. Uh, Marcus, do you think your art will sell for a premium as you become more of a celebrity and it's now skip? Well, that's the plan. That's why I'm keeping it all. Um, I couldn't sell it, so I've got it all in the house and the wife wants rid. Um, she wants something prettier because my art was a bit dark. I mean, when you listen to Radiohead to cheer yourself up, your art ain't exactly going to be like all bright and colourful. Um, but you know what? Who knows? I'm all, I'm all in for assets. I write books that are assets, create podcasts that are assets. I really believe in assets. And hey, who knows? Who knows? Great. Cool. Thank you, Tom. Uh, I want to... Hmm. I'm thinking about a couple more of these dream dinner guests because I think I've picked five or six. Christian Bale's probably my favourite actor. I mean, there are so many great ones. So maybe him. 
actually haven't picked anyone I fancy yet. Tess Daly. Tess Daly follows me and all my stuff. And she, she, when I met her at Strictly, she was like, oh, you're Rob Moore. Follow your stuff. You know, I love your work. The feeling is mutual, Tess. <laughs> anyway, I'm getting carried away. Um, when and why did you stop drinking? Um, so probably about five years ago fully, but sort of maybe six or seven years ago gradually. Why? Because I wasn't getting any benefit out of it anymore and I drunk a lot. I mean, for me, drinking was about getting absolutely hammered to have the best possible laugh I could. And when I was single, hopefully meet women, but I was always too pissed to make a good impression. Um, and... As I started building my business, well, they wanted honesty, Tom. You know, it's just not as long as in the same position. Oh, are you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, maybe six, seven years ago, eight years ago, Progressive started to get big. It took my time. Hangovers get longer. You lose a day. I don't want to lose a day when you run your own business. Obviously, I'm with my wife, and so I don't need it for the social element as much. And I just didn't get anything out of it. Like, if I have one or two drinks, I just get tired. Um, yeah, so that's why. But it has been great for me. Uh, I was on speaker boot camp with someone who has the equivalent of 12 pints Friday night, Saturday night and Sunday night. And she's female. And that's like that's putting it away. And she knows. And if you're watching, I try. We talked a lot because I tried to sort of because I've done this fitness challenge and it's really, really lifted me. And she knows she doesn't want to do it. And she knows she's kind of in a trap because it's really social and they have such a good laugh. But she's hung over to crazy Saturday, Sunday, Monday. It's just not conducive. And if you get your passion in other ways, like I, I love music, I love art. I love watching documentaries on Netflix. I love spending time with my family. I love doing lives. I love being on social media. I love, you know, working out a new business model or strategy. I love solving problems in my business. I love fashion. It's just, I love watches. I love cars. I've got too many loves to need um, drinking. Cool. What's your take on Brexit next? Um, it's just so much noise. It's two odd years in. It's nearly two and a half years in and nothing has happened. Nothing has happened. It's a mess. They don't know what they're doing because they're not commercial. They're public, not private sector. I think that, you know, private sector is the engine that fuels the economy. Uh, am I scared of it? No. If it drops property prices, will that be bad? No. Why? Because I'll be able to buy cheap properties and yields will probably go up because rent will probably go up. Might it affect my business? It might. I don't know. I'm not going to let it fear me into like sitting in the corner, like shaking, which like a lot of people are. I'm definitely not going to spend all day gobbing off about it and debating and arguing on social media. I can't control it. I'm well up for putting my time in for things I can control. I'm really not in things I can't. Now, if you want a more intellectual or considered or studied answer, ask Mark Homer um, because he, you know, he's, he, he covers, he, he likes to study all this stuff. But I don't know. I, for me, it's just like a rabbit hole. Um, tell me when it's done. Tell me what we know is going to happen and I'll, I'll, um, I'll work it out accordingly. I mean, I'm already planning for a recession. I've been planning for a recession for seven years. So what's, what's the worst that Brexit's going to do? Trigger a, a bit of a recession, kick prices down a bit, make business a bit hard. I've been planning that since the last recession. 
So, you know, you always want to be planning for the next recession in the one you've just had. Stack, stashing cash, building relationships with people who've got money, building your brand, having multiple streams of leads, multiple streams of income. Cool. Is it question 17 where we get to the end of the main ones and then we've got the quick fire and the cheekies? After. Yeah. All right, fine. How will you teach your children about money? Um, well, I've been ch- teaching my children about money since they were very young, getting them to count with money. Bobby was winning, winning Krugerrands at golf when people, adults didn't even know what Krugerrands were. Getting him, invo- him involved in my world, knowing, I mean, I've written a book on money, so that kind of helps. Um, getting him to count in all the um, foreign denominations of currency when we go abroad. Uh, yeah, so... Will um, I take the approach uh, of the Beckhams and encourage them to get a normal Saturday day job? Yes. I want my children to know that uh, we are in a merit-based society, i.e. you work hard and you work smart. You give value and you'll get rewarded. And if that means that they've got to learn a graft, then they've got to learn graft. And of course, I'm not just about graft, I'm about craft. And a lot of people are just graft, 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 but also craft. Bill Gates always used to say, if you want something um, done, give it to a lazy person because they're going to find the quickest, easiest way to do it because they're lazy. And that's quite smart in a way. Um, Some people say, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. That's also quite smart because they've got to be leveraged and efficient and productive. So it's not just about graft. It's also about craft. It's about leverage. It's about creating value. Cool. Question 15. Well, these get longer and longer. I am going to have a sip of my water. (laughs) any questions you've got ping them my way we're good for time where could I find a mentor as a 20 year old this is the thing that confuses me the most I'd like to get into digital marketing but you said in your books to look for the best mentor we can find afford where could I start my search Um, so uh, go on um, audible go on Amazon go on the podcast app Go on YouTube and find the top influencers in the business space that you're in. Um, And then maybe find the general business influencers. Um, Get their books, listen to their podcasts, get their audio books, gobble them all up, learn as much as you can. And then when you find one that resonates, try and stalk them out, try and get a lunch with them, try and get a call with them and see where you go from there. Because you're 20 years old, so I guess you can't pay my 50 grand a year mentoring for property or my 25 grand a year mentoring for um, business. Although if you are Ryan, who does the toy reviews, who's seven years old, he made 17 million out of his YouTube channel last year. Stats just came out. Top YouTube channel for um, revenue, Ryan's toy review. Um, obviously his dad's must have helped him if not then I need, I need to interview him for my podcast um, yeah so the great thing about digital marketing is age is not a barrier you may be a millionaire I don't know I made an assumption um, but yeah I always go for the best mentor I can even you know like for me it's not about price it's about value um, you know I buy hi-fi equipment that's very expensive but it doesn't go down in value I buy watches that are very expensive but it doesn't go down in value I buy cars that are very expensive but they don't go down in value um, whereas people buy stuff that's half the price, but it goes down in value and they lose money. I don't. I um, hold my money or I appreciate the money. And it's the same with mentors. You get a good mentor, um, you can really appreciate your knowledge, your experience, your value. All right, cool. Thank you. All right, so question 16. I've not long become... 
bad debt free. I want to make sure that I'm financially secure for my future. By the way, well done for, uh, for getting out of bad debt. That's a, a big milestone. Good on you. Um, I want to make sure I'm financially secure for my future. I'm 28. 28. What should I be doing to get there? Um, you should be... Um, this is not like a one-size-fits-all, like I'll do e-commerce. Um, it depends. Do you want to be an entrepreneur, an intrapreneur, or an employee? Because... Um, if you work for yourself, the upside is bigger, but the downside risk is bigger. So if I said to you, oh, I'll quit your job and go and set up your business, you know, selling lemonade or you're starting your passion, selling vinyl or whatever it was, well, that's risky because you might be a year or two in debt before you make the money. But if you hate your job and you just don't ever want to be an entrepreneur and employee, you've got to make your plans. Uh, now, you know, I like to think the guys behind me, Tom, Harry, Ben, they're entrepreneurs, whereby they feel like they've got some autonomy. They feel like that, you know, they've got a bit of security of getting the regular money that Mark and I didn't have for, you know, good months or even years when we started. We take all the risks for them, but they're not treated like employees. So I think you've got to think, are you an employee? Which, by the way, is absolutely fine. There's employees that earn 10, 20, 50 million a year. You know, like at the level, the MD, the CEO. So like employee, entrepreneur, entrepreneur, which one do you want to be? Then when you know, you've got to find the right company if you're a, an employee. Um, company stroke brand stroke agency if you're an entrepreneur, because this is an agency. And then the right business model if you're an entrepreneur and you want to work for yourself. Now, you could work um, in your job and then evenings and weekends start your new venture until the point where you hit your financial security figure and then hand your notice in and go and scale up in your um, enterprise. So there's more than one way of skinning the cat, but you've got to be clear on who you are. Now, I wasn't born to do what I'm doing. I'm sort of like, or I've learned through my dad that this is me and I'm convinced of that and I'm comfortable and secure and I'm secure with risk. It's funny because we interviewed someone and I offered her the job right there and then and I've never done that before. And um, my MD sat next to me. She said, well, you know what? I took a risk in the early days because, you know, I was working for a bigger company and I came here and it was smaller. And, you know, I took a bit of a salary drop and um, that was risky for me. And I looked at her and I was like, I just didn't, you know, like I, I understood what she meant, but I didn't understand what she meant. Because to me, taking a risk is not doing what I'm meant to do. It's not trying it. If you don't risk anything, you risk everything. So for, I love taking risks, not risks that put, uh, you know, I'm not all in. I think that's bad advice. You know, when people say, go all in. All right, what happens if you lose? You're fucked. Don't go all in. Have contingencies, have other business models, have other streams. Um, but in terms of yourself and your energy, maybe you can go all in. But I, I, I like some element of risk. It makes me feel alive. Question 17. For those earlier on their journeys, best ways to approach those further ahead? What could someone offer to someone further along to help with the no like trust element and be able to help themselves along their journey? Um, so I get approached a lot. Someone sent me a really long message today saying, I want an hour of your time and, and, and sent a really long message. And they're a nice guy. Um, I haven't got time and I had to politely decline them. If someone said, hey, Rob, I've been following you for a good while. I love your work. Um, could I just ask one question really quickly? I'd probably say yes. So I think you've got to be careful not to go too big, too deep, too much in too soon. I think you should always follow their work first and know a bit about them. And you should probably say, hey, look, I'm a follower of your work. I love what you do. I especially love X. 
and then just try and build it gently, you know, where maybe um, instead of going all in saying your life story and everything you want and you want to take them out for dinner once a week and, you know, you want free mentoring off this billionaire, it's about building a relationship over time. Um, yeah. So, uh, that, you know, I hope that's useful. Definitely follow their, all their stuff on social media, comment on all their stuff, share their stuff. I mean, if you give value, you'll get value. So if you can help them, then maybe they'll help you. So um, Felicity has said, you said there isn't much left, but what's on your bucket list? Um, so I've, I've travelled a lot to some amazing places. I guess that I'd like to travel some more. Um, for me, really, my bucket list is about people I want to meet. I, I like, you know, I've got a Lamborghini Aventador, so what other car do I need? I've got an amazing classic Ferrari. What other cars do I need? I've got a massive house. What other houses do I need? I've got a beautiful family. Um, I've got a great business. Okay, if it's worth more money, fine. But so what? Um, I've got the money I need. Um, and that's pretty cool to have done in your 30s. Um, but I love meeting really interesting people. For me, that's huge. Uh, and I know if I meet really interesting people, business partnerships, ventures, relationships will forge. Um, I want to keep writing books. And I know that's not a bucket to have, but I want to keep putting books and content out there. I really enjoy it. It's a way I can add value to the world um, in my own small little way. So, yeah, there's nothing really material anymore. I mean, I'll buy more watches and cars and all that kind of stuff because that's just what I do. But, um, yeah. All right, cool. What's the best advice you've ever given your children? Listen to daddy. Um, it's difficult because kids are, when they're at different stages, you know, I want my children to be, Bobby's a bit shy at the moment and he gets embarrassed and he wants to start playing football. But when he knows he has to sort of try out for a team, he doesn't want to do it. He wants to wait till next year. So if I can get my son to be a bit more brave and go and play the football that he wants and go and he's a brilliant little goalie, go and show him how good you are. You know, go and put yourself out there and don't worry about what people think. That's really going to help him. Ariana's different because she's a bit more out there and I might need to rein her back. Um, so I think it sort of depends on their time. Um, who do you think is most inspiring, Sugar or Branson? Well, I've, I've spent a decent amount of time with Lord Sugar, but I've not met Richard Branson, so it wouldn't really be fair to say. I mean, they're different. I mean, Alan Sugar is what you see is what you get. And I've, like I said, I've spent quite a lot of time with him, and he is exactly the same in private as he is in the media, and I respect that about him. Branson, I think, is probably maybe a bit more loved and a bit more free... Um, you know, I think Branson maybe is a bit more involved in developing the planet, but I respect them both for what they do. And here's something interesting, you know, that like a lot of people won't tell you, but generally when you follow influencers, business people, you learn from people, you tend to follow people you like, uh, and that's great. But you also will learn if you follow people you don't necessarily think you like. So all the influencers that I stopped following or didn't follow because I didn't really like them or relate to them, I made myself listen to them and follow their work because I got new lessons from them that I hadn't got from all the people I was following because we naturally filter for people like us. Okay, great. How do you develop a skill? You can listen and read, but how do you actually put it into practice? So I think you learn, you test, you review, you tweak, you repeat. I think that's how you develop a skill. You learn, you test, you review, you tweak, you repeat. 
Um, you know, even in a sport, because, you know, people always talk about hard work, hard work, hustle, hustle, hard work, hard work, hard work, hard work. I'm sorry, but that's not the full story. I interviewed Matthew Syed for my podcast and he said, practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. So it's not just about banging weights in the gym or, you know, trying to run faster or hit the golf ball further or better or drills. Um, you know, it's pretty well known now in the golfing world. It's not just about banging balls down the range. It's about putting yourself emotionally in the situation and perfect practice. So to repeat one more time, learn, test, tweak, review, repeat. And then when you've done that a few times, then scale. Now, why I always say test, because if you say learn and do, do feels a bit absolute. You can feel worried. Oh, I'm not ready to do that. I can't. Oh, you know, I'm not qualified enough yet. Whereas if you see every action as a test, I see every live stream, every social media post, every podcast as a test. And that means I've got the confidence to stick it. I did a live feed in the bath and that went, that got a lot, a lot of engagement. It was just a test to see if it did get more engagement or not. It did. Um, I'm not going to be doing a series in the bath. Don't worry. And people are talking about bath interviews just to get like, I probably will do one in the, in the hot tub. I've just got my hot tub working again at home. Um, and if it gets more rich and more engagement and a few more critics, then that's fine. It's all good. Um, so Des has asked, um, is the training, coaching, mentoring part of the business more profitable than the property side? It's about equal for us, 50-50. Um, and some critics are like, oh, well, some trainers don't make any money in property. They just make all their money training. Maybe there are some like that. That's not me. I, I, I wouldn't find that ethical. Um, for me, you, you can only teach what you know how to do unless you partner with someone who knows how to do it and you create a joint venture. So for me, I've all, only ever taught stuff I know how to do and I've done and I've got a lot of experience and I can stand in front of a lot of people and say that with volition. So for me, you know when some people say, if you can do and if you can't teach? Well, I think you, I can do and teach. I'm a good teacher. And there's a lot of, a lot of feedback that I'm not everyone's style. I get that. Um, and Mark deals with a lot of the practical side of property, and I deal with growing the training business, which is kind of like a good win-win. Are you and Mark very different personality-wise, therefore bring different skill sets to the party? We're completely different. Like, um, he's got the brains and I've got a personality, you know, something like that. He's analytical, technical. He's a bit of a warrior. Um, he's, you know, he... How do you sum up the genius that is Mark in a few words? He's a critical thinker. He's a researcher. He's um, diligent. He's careful. He's considered. He's methodical. He's quite introverted. He's, he sometimes gets to the point where he overthinks. His brain is always on, overanalyzing sometimes. Um, I am pretty much the opposite. I don't overanalyze things. I get other people to do research. I'm a big picture thinker, not a tactical player. Um, I don't really, you know, I, I have more of a risk threshold and an appetite for risk. Um, you know, I'm, I'm more sort of like in the, I don't like to call myself a leader. I don't think I should give myself a title, but more the sort of strategy and vision and dragging everyone along with me. Um, if there's ever a problem or a fire, Mark's the absolute best person in the world. If you want to create something out of thin air, you need me for that, for a vision and creativity and that kind of stuff. Cool. So we've answered all that. Um, 
Okay, yeah, so Tom, you put the link in. That's great. Are you going back to art? I'm never saying never. Uh, we didn't do... Oh, I, nearly gave, I nearly gave away our new event there. I can't. I'm glad I stopped myself. But I did a big event for a few years in property and then we stopped it. And I never said never. I said probably never. But I gave myself the ability to never say never in case I wanted to do it again. Watch the space. Um, so I never say never. And sometimes I get urges because I like variety and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a creative soul. Um, but I get to do my creativity in my books, in my podcast, in these live streams. Um, in my companies, in our innovation department, in our creativity meetings, in the guests that we get on our podcasts. So that need is being met. But at some point I might need to. If I did art, it wouldn't be canvas and paint. It would be something way more screwed up than that. I know that for a fact. Um, Have I shown any? Yeah, I mean, I was an artist for a few years. Yeah, I've shown it. I've entered it into some competitions and um, I've hung it in galleries, yeah, but I mean, I was, you know, I never did very well at it because I wasn't very good at the commercial side. Asking for a friend, yeah, whatever. Yeah, all right, great. Uh, cool. I think we're done, aren't we? Yeah. What? This doesn't scroll. No. 40 seconds per question. Otherwise, I'm, I'm, I'm getting buzzed. We've got a big buzzer. All right, okay. Should we try the buzzer, Ben? Is that after I've answered the question or from when I start reading it? Yeah, but like some of these questions are long. They might take me 20 seconds to ask. We'll start the clock after you've read the question. All right. Rob, you have stated many times that you don't like being told what to do. Why then, when Mark got you to concentrate only on progressive in the early days, um, did you not rebel? Um, Because um, I saw more benefit in our venture and partnership and I saw talent and genius in Mark that I wanted to be a part of. And I learned what it was to be a partner and not just think about yourself. Um, partnerships flourish when you think about your partner and not just yourself. Ah, you didn't buzz me. Uh, what's the most disruptive, naughtiest thing Rob did when he was at school? Uh, I don't know if I can say them. There was a, there was a, there was a park called Cherry Hill. Um, which was right, it was basically banging the school grounds. Um, and I used to take my girlfriend up there. <laughs> I've never told it, actually, it might be one of my books. But, like, it was, it was quite open and, you know, like, yeah. Um, that wasn't the best. Uh, um, I did, I got up to all sorts of shit at school. Yeah, that <laughs> I was, yeah, I wasn't very old either. Um, if Rob could be a superhero, what would he call himself and what would his powers be? Well, I'd be Superman because he could do loads of stuff. Um, you know, he can fly. Uh, he's got those laser eyes. He's got mega strength. He's probably got x-ray vision because if he didn't have that, I'd need that, definitely. <laughs> um, I th- can he read people's minds? I don't think so. No. So, all right. So if I couldn't be... Superman, I'd be whoever reads people's minds, but not the guy in a wheelchair. All right, cool. Um, if you had to bury your treasure like a pirate... Oh, you know who I mean, don't you? Professor X. Professor X, yeah, before I put my foot in it. If you had to bury your treasure like a pirate, where would you hide it? Well, I'm not going to tell you, because then you'd know where I'd bury my treasure and then you'd find it. Uh, but I would, I would, it would be nowhere near me. No, not, not in my back garden. Who does that? Nowhere near me. Um, yeah, I mean, I have various assets dotted around and they're nowhere near me. All right, great. 
Uh, in a celebrity boxing match, who would win, you or Mark? Easily me. I mean, I've done martial arts. I've had, like, brown and black belts. Mark couldn't punch his way out of a paper bag. So that's an easy one. Um, do you have any phobias? Yeah, I do. I hate needles. Um, when I was young, I, have, I, I had a motorbike crash and nearly died. I was, it was touch and go for a while. And I had um, peritonitis and nearly died. And that was touch and go for a while. So I haven't told many people about that. Um, but uh, when I had the, um, those instances, my veins were hard to find and the nurses just used to hammer away. And I got, um, this, I got massive internal bleeding all down my arm and I couldn't move it for like weeks. And I built me a massive phobia of needles. And I actually went and gave blood last year for the, you know, for the first time to try to get over my phobia. And I didn't like it at all, but I did it and I want to try and do it once a year. Um, yeah, apart from blue bottles going up my leg. Yeah, thank you for that. Ah, I'd already done. Would you put 100% into one venture? No way. I think that's really bad advice. All these all in, go big or go home. No. If you put everything into one venture and it dies, you're done. Now, some people say, yeah, you go big, but you could put 70% into a venture or 80% into a venture. But you've got your, you know, all right, if you're 21, maybe you can put a bit more in. But if you've got a family and kids, I think all in is sometimes bad advice. Um, so no, I wouldn't necessarily put 100% into one venture. Mark and I don't put 100% of anything into anything. You know, we've got lots of different properties and lots of different property types and lots of different companies and we move our money into lots of different assets. Yeah, you thought you were going to buzz me. <laughs> Top three places in the world you've travelled that have inspired you. I love Cayman. I love Dubai. Um, they're probably my favourite too. I- I'm not so much like... You know, the really um, beautiful yet not much to do places. I get a bit scared of being in the middle of nowhere. Um, So for me, Dubai is inspiring because it's not just because it's wealthy, but it's a city that was built from nothing. And Cayman is obviously, for for, for many reasons, a great place as well. Okay, What what age did you lose your virginity? Well, I can't say for obvious reasons. Because isn't no, I can't, I can't. I, but that that kind of gives you a little indication. Um, but I mean, most people in Peterborough are like grandparents by the time they're nineteen, anyway. So, <laughs> um, where and how did Rob propose to his wife? Um, so um, I proposed the second the midwife put our daughter into my wife's arms. So I'd had it all planned and I proposed literally the second that Ariana was given to um, my wife. My wife doesn't like big um, romantic gestures. And of, of course, I can fly a helicopter. And I could have all done all sorts of crazy stuff. We were actually talking about me proposing at one of my big property events and she would have hated it. But I like that was, I think, the thing that she would have liked the most. So that's how I did it. I've never been asked that. but That's how I did it. Um, why did Rob choose a Westie and how did he get his name Ralph? Um, so we chose a Westie because my wife always wanted a dog and for her birthday I went to take her to view some puppies um, and I guess she must have wanted a small dog one that she, yeah, she did, she wanted one she could carry around and, and like be easy to look after um, and we called him, this is true story but when we got him in the car um, he threw up about 17 times so we called him Ralph so because at uni, we used to say Ralph for being sick. Um, so, yeah, that's why we called him Ralph. Um, if left to survive on an island, who would you bring with you to help survive? Well, I'd bring one of those crazy nutters who survives on an island. Um, who, 
Yeah, Bear Grylls and Middleton, those kind of people. Yeah. So, sorry, that's a really boring answer, but I'm not going to be stupid enough and bring like Tom York to play the guitar and we both <laughs> starve to death, am I? It'd be cool for a while. It'd be good. Yeah, it'd be a good way to go, but um, yeah. And then final question, why do you think you and Mark made such a success of property? I think because we're a good partnership where we work well because we're different. I think because we love property and business. I think because we desire to solve problems. I think because we want to build an empire. I think because we learned along the way to give value and help and care for other people and do joint ventures. And, um, and we've got a long way to go yet because we're still pretty young. Ah, oh, we've got one more. What are three things has he learned about people in his... What are three things I've learned about people on my planet? 40 seconds. Okay. Um, number one is there's good in everyone and there's bad in everyone. Uh, and you think you're good and someone else is bad. But actually, if, if I kidnap your kids, you would do anything bad to get them back. So there's good and bad in everyone. Number two, people tend to focus on... Um, their highest values and if you want to build relationships and rapport and influence people find out their values and link that to their values and then number three people are not loyal to you people are loyal to themselves and their own values and when you understand that you can actually build more loyalty because a lot of people are trying to change everyone to be like them them or they they expect people to behave a certain way or want to change people I did all right on that one that was not a 40 second question all right we're done Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Hope you had a great time. And remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything.